Hello and welcome to episode 532 of the official EstablishTheRun.com podcast. My name is Adam Levitan, as always, joined by Evan Silva. It is officially prospect season. I know this because the NFL's annual combine just went down in Indy, meaning the draft is just seven weeks away, meaning people were drawing massive conclusions from dudes running around in their underwear. Evan, how's it going today? It's going really well. We got uh, some news this morning that we can uh, we can cover. Yes. Uh, Derek Carr wound up signing with the Saints. We knew that that was going to happen a few days ago, but made it official this morning. Uh, well, yeah, we were, were gathering information, uh, just like the NFL teams were at the at the combine. And uh, I'm, I'm ready to talk some sports. You may remember from a podcast around this time of year, a few years ago, Evan was out drinking late at night with Sean Payton. Unfortunately, Evan was not able to make it to Indy this year for the combine. Evan, any regrets about not making it to the combine? I know it's a, one of your favorite trips Yeah, every year. You get to see everybody take a picture with the shrimp cocktail at Elmo's or whatever it's called. I've actually never been, but maybe for some people out there who follow the combine on TV, what it's really like being there. Yeah, my favorite place to hang out is a place called Prime 47, which is like this big circle bar. And like last year when I went, uh, I was waiting to meet up with uh, Jordan uh, Renan, uh, who covers the Giants. And I sat down and like, boom, there's Jack Del Rio. And boom, there's Wink Martindale, you know. And boom, there's Jane Slater, who covers the Cowboys for, you know, NFL Network. And um, it, it's just, you know, uh, uh, it's a great way to to meet other people in the industry and also to meet actual NFL personnel. Yeah, seems like a really cool experience. I've never been. Maybe I'll try to get out there one day. Anyways, on today's show, we're going to cover the news that came out of the NFL combine that happened this past weekend. That means prospect news. But more importantly, I think it was a chance for the media assembled there to talk to all the GMs and coaches that were in Indy and get set for player movement this offseason. We'll also talk a little bit about some of the prospects and some of the athletic testing that went down that I thought was meaningful. Before we get into it today, best ball season never stops. Our friends at Underdog have already launched the Big Board, which is a million-dollar tournament for the 2023 NFL season. That does include rookies. Our rankings for that are up. Also, we just put up rankings for rookies and sophomore-only drafts. Those are on Underdog as well. Again, a tournament, a best ball tournament, where you can only draft rookies and sophomores. Pretty fun format there. If you don't have an account at Underdog yet, promo code ETR. At underdogfantasy.com for a hundred dollar matching signup bonus. That's promo code ETR at underdogfantasy.com. All right. The first quarterback domino has fallen of the offseason. You'll remember Derek Carr was unserious, unceremoniously dumped out of Las Vegas organization. I was with the Saints, and he's Derek Carr was released, so they don't have to wait for the free agency period. They don't have to give up anything for Derek Carr. They do have to sign him to a contract. Looks like it's going to be a four-year deal. The connection here is that Dennis Allen is now head coach of the Saints. Dennis Allen was the head coach of the Raiders when Carr was drafted in the second round back in 2014. Evan, what do you think about the Saints' decision? And but by the way, they have major cap problems, and they're going to have to pay Mm -hmm. Derek Carr. I don't know where they're going to get money to pay all their guys. But anyways, what do you think of the move by the Saints to sign Derek Carr to be their franchise quarterback. They just refuse to take a step back. They refuse to rebuild. That's not part of Mickey Loomis's philosophy. Obviously, Dennis Allen was not going to be in favor of that. Um, it's just, yeah, the, the comfort level, I think, wound up being the driving force behind Derek Carr selecting the Saints. 
And that's because of his connection with Dennis Allen. As you mentioned, from like a fantasy standpoint, I don't think that there's a whole lot to be real excited about. I think that Derek Carr is maybe somewhere between, you know, across the league, number 14 to 17 uh, among the, the 32 starting quarterbacks. And he's not really a teammate elevator. The Saints have a lot of work to do, I think, with, with, in terms of rebuilding their weapons. Their offensive line has taken big steps back over the past couple of years. They still got talent on defense. They can hang in there and be competitive with Derek Carr. But I don't think it's a big-time uh, needle-moving move by any means. And I think from a fantasy standpoint, he's going to continue to be very, very average to below average. Uh, let me let me ask you this because I think if Derek Carr had hit and had hit unrestricted free agency, it would have been an interesting discussion. Like, who would you rather have, Geno Smith or Derek Carr? Who would you rather have, Daniel Jones or Derek Carr? Because those are going to be free agents that we'll talk about coming up here over the next couple of weeks. Like, mm -hmm. do you think Carr is a better quarterback than Dimes or Geno Smith? Um, he's never had a season as, as strong as Gino. There was one year where Derek Carr was sort of yeah. the media was kind of hyping him up as a, an MVP candidate. He wound up getting injured uh, late in that season and obviously didn't win MVP, averaged a little bit over seven yards per pass attempt. Gino Smith was way better than Derek Carr ever was, mm -hmm. I think, this past season. And then I think you could make the argument that Daniel Jones just has a little bit more untapped upside. I mean, Daniel Jones is still you know, theoretically on his upward trajectory. And I we, we've kind of seen the best of, of Derek Carr. I mean, again, he can be an average starter. He can help you stay competitive and not embarrass yourself. But he's not going to make his teammates better. From a fantasy perspective, the only thing I would add is that Derek Carr has, has produced some pretty big wide receiver one seasons for his guys, including this past year in Devontae Adams. Chris Olave, I, I mean, would have been my vote for rookie of the year and with all and Garrett Wilson was awesome too I thought Chris Olave deserved it by a hair but anyways Chris Olave could have a really big second year breakout with Derek Carr I do think that he's an upgrade on what the quarterbacks were rolling out there for the Saints this past year and then also we're going to talk about Alvin Kamara here also mm -hmm. I think also a little bit better for Alvin Kamara uh, let's just get into the Kamara stuff so Kamara uh entered a not guilty plea at his arraignment the charges are conspiracy to commit battery and battery resulting in substantial bodily harm. I'm sure by now everyone has seen the video of what happened in some Las Vegas like elevator area where Kamara and a bunch of guys beat up some dude. Now, this video is out. He's entered a not guilty plea. We'll see if this case gets resolved before the season starts. But I think there's major, major, major risk right now for people playing best ball that Kamara's going to get suspended and get suspended for a while. His ADP is around 86th overall. Getting Derek Carr, I think, does help. But yeah, there's a lot of smoke around here. I don't know if there's much to say now, Evan, but any thoughts on the Kamara situation? Yeah, I don't know if there's anything that we can say concrete now. The video does not look good. Um, you know, we've been waiting on this situation for like a year now. Yeah. Um, he didn't play particularly well last year. Maybe there was like weird stuff going on. Um, in, in New Orleans surrounding Alvin Kamara. And I just, I don't really know what to think. I I would probably avoid drafting. Now I have no skin in the game right now because I haven't started drafting. So I yeah. want to be transparent about that. But I don't think that I would be looking to draft him like, oh, 
we can get a big discount here. Like I, I, I would be very concerned. Yeah, like I said, ADP around 86th overall. That was right around when the video yeah, came out. That's a little early. I mean, yeah, I think it's going to continue to go down as that video circulates more and more. A couple other uh, player notes here. No surprise, but Cowboys expected to put the franchise tag on Tony Pollard. The deadline for that is Tuesday afternoon. We're recording this Monday morning. So both uh, uh, Josh Jacobs and Tony Pollard are expected to get the franchise tag here. Tony Pollard, of course, coming off that nasty broken leg in the playoffs. Josh Jacobs coming off of the career year. No Derek Carr, uh, though, for him coming back. I think pretty standard no-brainer moves, Evan, to kind of franchise tag running backs. You don't want to make this long-term commitment, particularly to guys like Tony Pollard coming off of a serious injury or Josh Jacobs, who kind of got it all together for his contract year. So I think pretty no-brainer sharp moves to go franchise tag here any thoughts on pollard or jacobs yeah just hopefully they don't uh the the cowboys don't bring back ezekiel elliott because we've already we're already starting to see like notes and, and little rumors that you know jerry jones wants to bring back zeke elliott and that would just be an absolute disaster the cowboys i think this this would be a smart decision by them to franchise tag tony pollard they have a history of paying players giving them big long-term contracts like immediately after injuries or, or shortly after like serious injuries. And a lot of these have not worked out. Um, yeah. Michael Gallup, Michael Gallup. I mean, he, he did not have a successful season. I would say this past year, Jalen Smith is another guy that gave a really big deal to after a, a catastrophic injury. And that dude's like out of the league, almost Dak Prescott. They gave a big deal to after his injury. And I think that that's worked out fine. Um, but they're not, they're not going to take the, that big risk with Tony Pollard. It makes a lot of sense. Number one, coming off the injury. Number two, because of the position that he plays. Agreed. Uh, Aaron Rodgers has emerged from his darkness retreat. Uh, I don't know what this dude's thinking or, or what he's going to do. I do know that if the Packers don't want him back, it seems like the Jets are all in. I mean, the Jets pulled the Broncos move by getting Nathaniel Hackett. Mm -hmm. uh, and we talked a little bit about that on the coaching change podcast yeah but it seems like the jets are all in on getting aaron Rodgers. it seems like those are the two likeliest landing spots packers or jets any thoughts on the rogers stuff i know it's all just rumors right now yeah i, I just agree with what you said there um I, it seems like it's going to come down to those two is the nathaniel hackett thing going to be enough going to be enough to pull aaron Rodgers in that direction i don't know i think that the talent that they could surround him with though i mean I think their offensive line is going to be better this year. They're, you know, they obviously they've got some big time young weapons uh, at the receiver position for him. Um, it's weird because, you know, he he wouldn't be able to jump right into Mike LaFleur's offense. I mean, he just played for his brother. You know, they, they all run that Shanahanian sort of system. Um, but they, you know, they needed a fall guy. There was like a scapegoat and that was going to be Mike LaFleur. And they downgrade with Nathaniel Hackett, I think. But maybe they could come with Aaron Rodgers. I mean, I know that I, at this point, that would be their best case scenario. Obviously, a big fantasy storyline uh, at the running back position was the Bucks' decision to release Leonard Fournette. Obviously, that looks like a big vote of confidence for Rashad White. Now we'll see what they do at the running back position in the offseason. But I do think that it raises the floor ceiling combo of Rashad White a ton. We were arguing a little bit uh, internally about where to rank Rashad White mm. in our best ball rankings. Right now, I believe we settled on having him in the high 70s, uh, early 80s. I could see Rashad White being much better than that, but I understand that there is they're going to add uh talent to the running back position at some point. What are your thoughts on Rashad White? We never really got a chance to talk too much about Rashad White's rookie year, what you thought right. of it. 
and anything going forward? Um, I think that it's easy to like start off by poking holes. I mean, I think the Bucks are definitely going to add some talent at the running back position. The extent of that talent remains to be seen. Rashad White, I thought, had a, a pretty solid rookie year. I mean, he earned a lot of playing time. That's always good in your first year. He wasn't that great as like a pure runner, um, but he caught a bunch of passes. You know, we knew that he could play in that aspect of, of the game and like, coming out of uh, college. And he showed that um, no Tom Brady, you know, this offensive line has deteriorated, has really deteriorated. You know, do you trust the offensive staff in Tampa Bay at this, at this point? Um, could this team like all of a sudden be like get really bad? Yeah. Uh, I, I think that that's a concern. And then of course, who are they going to add at the running back position? Cause they're definitely going to add someone. I thought it was encouraging for Rashad White's rookie year that he earned not specialized role, not, hey, we're going to put you out there on first and 10 from the 50. Mm -hmm. Then we're going to put you out there on third down. No, he was alternating series by series Mm -hmm. with Laren Fournette, which allowed him to showcase versatility of talent. I thought he was actually pretty good for a rookie. Of course, as Evan said, the problem is that Tom Brady fit Rashad White's skill set so well. In other words, you're not going to catch six, seven, eight balls in a game from Kyle Trask or whatever they do mm. at quarterback. So we'll see there. But yeah, I, I like Rashad White. And it, like I would put James Cook kind of in a similar path, second year mm. running backs. We'll see what happens with Devin Singletary, who is a free agent. But yeah, I think they're close. Well, that would be an interesting debate. Who do you like better right now, James Cook or Rashad White? I think I would definitely go with James Cook, actually. I mean, the offense is going to be so, so, so much better. But yeah, that's what part of what we were debating. And I think there's some likelihood that Devin Singletary comes back to the Bills. We'll talk about that mm-hmm. in the free agency episodes coming up. Falcons decided to release Marcus Mariota in a predictable move. They saved $12 million against the cap. Mariota, of course, had lost his job to Desmond Ritter. Now, the rumors are that they could make a move for Lamar Jackson. And we'll get into all this Lamar Jackson stuff in the next couple episodes, but there's a chance that the Ravens decide to use the non-exclusive tag mm-hmm. on Lamar Jackson, which would allow another team to make him essentially an offer sheet, which the Ravens could match or not. I-, I love the idea of Lamar Jackson on the Falcons with Kyle Pitts and Drake London. I don't think they want to go into next season with Desmond Ritter at their quarterback, but any thoughts on Falcons quarterback situation now that we know Marcus Mariota is officially gone? Yeah, I think in all likelihood, Desmond Ritter projects as like a long-term NFL backup. I mean, that's what typically happens with third-round quarterback selections, and that is what he was coming out of Cincinnati. Um, It does seem like if Lamar Jackson doesn't go back to Baltimore, then Atlanta is the would be like the the presumptive favorite to acquire him. Um, I don't know. For me, it's still like a wait wait and see situation. If they put the non-exclusive franchise tag on him, though. And it sounds like that's maybe the most likely scenario right now. Uh, then, I mean, he's going to be available. Like, like they, they're going to be listening to offers, and he should have a, a major market. I uh, took Falcons to win the Super Bowl at 100 to 1. Nice. And just because I think if they get Lamar, that'll go to like 30 to 1 or something like that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I like taking shots in the NFC also, where it's so much easier to make a run and get to the Super Bowl. I mean, a lot of the long shot Eagles stuff. And the long shot lion stuff was under the same thesis from last year. NFC is so weak. I mean, so weak. The Falcons get Lamar all of a sudden. They're one of the best teams in the conference, I think. Yeah. So um, I don't think that's that line is out there anymore, maybe. But you might be able to get like an 80 to 1 or 75 to 1 or something like that, which I think is interesting if you do think Lamar ends up with the Falcons. Uh, 
Oh, one more franchise tag I wanted to mention on the Jaguar stuff. Evan Ingram gets the franchise tag. Just played so well in the uh, second half of the season last year. And also, like, I, I get that you're effectively getting a deal on the franchise tag for tight end because it's so much lower than wide receiver. But Evan Ingram did have 438 inline snaps last year. Ended up catching 73 balls, 766 yards, four touchdowns. Obviously, he's been very inconsistent throughout his career. I think using the franchise tag here makes sense. We're expecting Calvin Ridley to get reinstated and be back with this team also. And so, yeah, you have some pretty good weapons here. Any thoughts on Jaguars' decision to use the tag on Evan Ingram? Oh, I think it was pretty predictable. Um, you know, Evan Ingram was part was part of that free agency class where the, uh, with Jacksonville, you know, by far, acquired the most free agents and spent the most money in free agency last year. And I think that Evan Ingham was part of that success. They they had a lot of success, uh, you know, putting together that free agency class, despite a lot of criticism. And yeah. Evan Ingram wound up being a rock solid pickup. And uh, I think they're doing the right thing by, by keeping him for another year. Yeah. Agreed. Okay. So now I want to get to the portion of the combine that I think uh, people love to talk about. People love to debate the dynasty bros. Absolutely love it. It is the, athletic measurable and size measurable portion of the combine. I want to start with Bryce Young. And everybody was asking, what's Bryce Young going to weigh in at? How tall is he going to be? Officially, Bryce Young is five foot 10 inches, 204 pounds. Now, I think he likely bulked up for the combine. I think he'd probably play at less mm -hmm. than 200 pounds. This is going to send red flags and shivers up the spine of NFL GMs who do not like to draft quarterbacks high at five foot ten, mm -hmm. two hundred pounds. What do you think about Bryce Young's NFL outlook and how bad will this size stuff hurt him? He's still, I believe, uh, you know, one of the favorites to go number one overall. Mm -hmm. um, I think if you watch him play, I mean, he excels from the pocket at, at the college level. He also had clean pockets. I mean, constantly throughout college, like so many of, of his play, so many of his like big time highlight real plays are like. He's kind of waiting for guys to come open. Um, and that's a concern when you get to the NFL. I mean, the shorter quarterbacks, I know it seems narrative-y, but, I mean, it's true. Like, you know, Kyler Murray and, um, you know, the the quarterbacks that are, are limited in terms of size, like they they don't throw – they tend to not throw the ball as well in the middle of the field mm -hmm. because, look, the offensive linemen are, are, are really tall and they're really short. And so um, – you know, that's just something ba Baker Mayfield has struggled with that, you know. Uh, so, I mean, that's that, I mean, that, that's definitely a concern. You know, I, I I still think at the top of the draft is super, super wide open. Um, I think Bryce Young is still the the very slight favorite. I was just looking at it. Uh, yeah, he's minus 200 on DraftKings right now. Anthony Richardson is down to three to one. I know we're going to talk about Anthony Richardson here yeah. uh, in a second. Um I don't know. I, I I just still think it's very very wide open. I think that C.J. Stroud also has something to say. I mean, as, as a, a guy where you don't have to worry about his height. Um, I don't know. It's gonna. It's gonna. It, I think it's a really interesting draft process. We're still like a, about a month and a half away. Okay, let's get to the Anthony Richardson thing because we kind of buried the lead. The lead of the combine was Anthony Richardson going total, total, total freak show. Anthony Richardson, six foot four, two hundred and forty four pounds, ran a four. Four four forty set the NFL combine record for a quarterback by jumping vertically 40 and a half 
inches, looks like one of the best athletes to ever enter the NFL at the quarterback position. Now, there is so much debate about this, Evan. You cannot even tweet anything about Anthony Richardson Mm -hmm. without hundreds of people saying, did you even watch the tape at Florida? He sucks. They played some other guy I never heard of over Anthony Richardson because he was so bad. You you show the highlight reel. Those are the only good plays. His quarter, his his wide receivers were wide it was open. Bad blah, defense. Blah, blah. It was bad, bad yeah. defense. Yeah. So I get all that, right? And you guys know me. I'm not a prospect evaluation bro. I am not a scout. I am not a tape grinder. I do think, though, from a team building perspective, you cannot just ignore some risk reward calculation. It's not will he be great or will he be bad. Let's say there's a 75% chance he's a total bust and a 25% chance he gets to like Josh Allen or Jalen Hurts level. And by the way, a lot of these same people said a lot of the same things about Josh Allen and Jalen Hurts when they were coming out of college. Also, I get that it looks like there's going to be more opportunity costs on Anthony Richardson now than there was on someone like Jalen Hurts who went in round two because now Anthony Richardson is likely going to go in the top 10, if not the top five. But anyways, I wish people would think of it more probabilistically. And in Mm -hmm. today's NFL, having a chance to hit the absolute stone cold nuts like a Josh Allen or Jalen Hurts, which aren't even the nuts, but like close to it, they're awesome. I think there's some at least conversation worth having there about a reach, quote unquote, for Anthony Richardson. So what is your take on all the Anthony Richardson testing stuff and all of the controversy somewhat surrounding him in the, in the uh, I guess, draft Nick community? Well, I'm very biased right now because before the combine, I bet Anthony Richardson to be the number one overall pick in the draft at 30 to one. And now he's down to three to one. Yep. So I, I'm very, very biased here. Um, but I like going against the... Uh, I think I would call it the popular narrative that Anthony Richardson just sucks. I mean, you know, you get to the NFL, like Florida had to fire their coach. Um, You know, you get, you get better coaching, you get better facilities, you know, you get like better teammates, better supporting cast. And, you know, all of a sudden like coaches and and a well-run organization can, you know, uplift uh, a player with this kind of raw athleticism and this kind of raw ability. I mean, yeah, watch him play. Like, you can tell that he has NFL caliber traits, absolutely. Maybe even number one overall pick caliber traits. So, And, th- and that was kind of my wager, was that I think a team could fall in love with – so many – first of all, so many teams need quarterbacks in the NFL. Sure. I mean, half the freaking league needs a quarterback. And we sort of know that the Bears are trying to trade out, and we know that that pick is going to be a quarterback. And we probably know it's going to be one of – three, maybe four, if you include Will Will Levis. So it's almost like down to like a 25% chance already that it could be any of these four quarterbacks, CJ Stroud, Bryce Young, um, Will Levis, and Anthony Richardson. I think it's going to be one of those guys. Um, So I don't know. Again, I'm really, really biased, but I think absolutely from a skill set standpoint, Anthony Richardson is squarely in the mix to be the number one overall pick. Uh, And to be clear, I think there's a high likelihood that Anthony Richardson ends up busting. Like, I'm not going to sit here and say that he can't be Jamarcus Russell or Terrell Pryor. I'm saying from a from a team building perspective, like taking shots on guys who can be truly elite because mediocre quarterback, like Mm -hmm. the same people who say and I think Amico tweeted the same people are like, you can't pay Daniel Jones 40 million. He's just average. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, I agree. Paying Daniel Jones 40 or 50 million is probably bad, but that's why you hit, try to hit home runs at the quarterback position. Otherwise Mm -hmm. you end up with Derek Carr or Daniel Jones or something like that. And by the way, the only other thing I'd add about Anthony Richardson is people assume that no one can get better. And like Evan alluded to, you can get better coaching. I mean, you get better scheming. You can, you can just try harder. Like Jalen Hurts 
turned himself into an awesome NFL passer. He was a mess in his first year as a passer. Daniel Jones, people said, they said Josh Allen couldn't, oh, he, he can't even dominate at, at Wyoming. Look at his completion yeah. percentage. You know, um, well, they built the offense at Wyoming around Brian Hill, who I believe is now in the XFL. Correct. It is, I, yes. Yeah. Um, they built the off. I mean, Brian Hill would get like 350 carries and Josh Allen would be like a game manager. Yep. Um, Justin Herbert's another guy that like a lot of the the prospect bros didn't didn't like, mm-hmm. you know, and like oh, they hated him. Yeah. And that's not to say that, like, I'm not trying to like I, I hate doing like hindsight, hindsight. You were you were wrong right. because there's a ton that they were right about and guys are going to bust. My point is that like having such a black and white view of Alan, Anthony Richardson's outlook, I think is a detriment to trying Any to build kind of analysis team. and prognosticative yeah. analysis. And I think that you put it right. Think about it. Probabilis- probabilistically. Yeah. You know? Okay. I'm sure we'll have a ton more discussion about Anthony Richardson. A couple quarterback notes, uh, Jamar Gibbs out of Alabama weighed in at 199 pounds, which is um, concerning. I think there's not a great history of running backs around or under 200 pounds in the NFL. However, 4.36 speed. And I think teams in today's past happy NFL are going to talk themselves into Jamar Gibbs in a big way. I think that he's probably the number two running back now beyond Bijan Robinson. Bijan, of course, uh, measured 5'11", 215, 446, 37-inch vertical, 10 and 4 broad, very clearly one of the better running back prospects we've had in recent memory. Any thoughts on Jamar Gibbs or Bijan as we get set for official prospects? I've seen a lot of Bijan, um, and I think he's just going to hop right in. Yeah. You know, um, Kevin you, Walker style pretty much. Are you aware that Bijan's uh, best ball ADP, and not, not rookies and sophomores, overall fantasy ADP right now is like 12th overall. He's going in like the first round. I'm not surprised. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's going to jump right in and be an every down back, I think. Yep. And then Gibbs, I think, might be eased in more as like a, a specialist sure. early on. Yeah, we'll see. We'll we'll see. We'll see where they get drafted. I mean, right? Teams are absolutely reticent to take R- RBs in the first round. I think Bijan probably goes late, late one, maybe. Yep. Yep. Yeah, for sure. And and this is a deep free agent uh, running yep. back class, which we'll get to, and maybe not a great uh, draft running back class beyond Bijan, but a deeper one too. And we'll talk about that as we get closer to the draft. Wide receiver notes, uh, Jordan Addison out of USC, only 173 pounds and ran only a 4.49. Now, I think 173 pounds is a concern on its face, but to only run 4.49 at that light of a weight, I think is a major concern for Jordan Addison. Zay Flowers, 5'9", 182 out of Boston College. Maybe he got himself into round one by running a 4.42, but yeah, you know, uh, not a great wide receiver class. Mm -hmm. I don't think... Uh, for these guys coming out, we'll talk more about that. Any yeah. thoughts on Ho- wide Hopefully receiver? your favorite team doesn't need a wide receiver this yeah. offseason. And the, the free agent class is just garbage at Great. wide receiver. So absolutely. Um, I'm I'm pulling up what Devontae Smith ran coming out because that's probably going to be a, a popular comparison for Jordan Addison, like a guy who wins with routes. Yeah. It is is lighter than you'd want him to be. Yeah, I think Devontae Smith was four four six. Yeah. They're right in that range. Yeah. Uh, Devontae Swift also like won the friggin' Bolitnikoff Award in, in the Heisman. Yeah. Yeah. Let's uh, – oh, got to give one shout-out to Penn State. I don't know what happened with Zach Koontz. I probably should have looked it up before this, but Zach Koontz left Penn State after the 2020 season to play for Old Dominion. This dude, 6'7", 255, ran a 4.55 at 6'7", 255, Ooh. and a 40-inch – 
vertical, somebody who certainly helped himself, you know, probably drafted in kind of that round three, four range at the tight end position. I'm always on the hunt for someone I can lose money on who cost 2,500 at the tight end position on DraftKings on a weekly basis. Oh, before we get out of here, Evan, a lot of people have asked me to ask you, what would Evan do with the number one overall pick? He's obviously in Chicago, not a Bears fan, but does live in Chicago. They have Justin Fields. They did get the number one pick, though, and it's um, kind of an interesting time to have the number one pick because there's not like a slam dunk quarterback or a slam dunk number one overall pick for everyone. But anyways, let's say you were the GM of the Bears. What would you do uh, with the number one overall pick? Yeah, I mean, I think that people that say that there's a clear binary answer here uh, are kind of kidding themselves because I think it is a real consider. You you don't plan on getting the number one pick very often, right? The number one overall pick in the draft. Um, you've got a couple years now uh, past Justin Fields' rookie contract. I mean, that and that is something to con- to take into consideration because. If you if you if they were to take a quarterback at number one overall, or even move down a spot mm-hmm. or two and take a quarterback and pick up you know extra ammunition, um, you're going to be getting that quarterback on a five year rookie deal, and that makes a big difference. That was my initial take. It was that I, I thought that they should actually take a quarterback at one or move down a few spots and take a quarterback and trade Justin Fields. Um, I think I've changed my mind on that. They have pumped two years of development into Justin Fields. That matters. Justin Fields showed that he could be a super dynamic player last year. He's got a ways to go still as a passer. He he takes too long to make decisions. Um, You know, he likes to stand in the pocket still. He takes way too many sacks, and that can be a really big red flag. But, you know, I I like the the chemistry that he showed with Luke Getze, their new offensive coordinator this past year. Um, And I think that you can build on that. And they have so much money and so much draft capital and they, and they get, are going to get more draft capital when they move down that they can put a really strong nucleus all of a sudden, like quickly, quickly, they can put a much stronger nucleus around uh, mm-hmm. Justin Fields and feel good about him entering his third season. I think that you keep Justin Fields, but you listen. And if you're Ryan Poles, you absolutely make it sound like you could take a quarterback at number one. This is like the dream for an NFL GM. You have a completely clean slate. They have an incredible amount. I think they have the most cap space in the entire NFL. They have an incredible amount of draft capital as well. You can put together a team of a ton of guys with a mix of guys on rookie contracts and some overpaying for free agents like the Jaguars did and got their team into the playoffs pretty quickly as well with Trevor Lawrence. The only thing I'd I'd say is that I'm not opposed to having two expensive Mm -hmm draft capital quarterbacks on my roster. Like I remember I was in Philly when uh, everybody was on Carson Wentz, everybody liked Carson Wentz and they took Jalen Hurts. They got killed, killed for using a second round pick on Jalen Hurts when they already had Carson Wentz. I just think you need to take as many swings as you can at quarterback. So if they really like someone, I wouldn't be opposed to taking another quarterback and keeping Justin Fields and letting them compete. I know that sounds really, really crazy, but man, hitting on one, and I, you know, you could say they already hit it on. It sounds Justin crazy just because like teams never do that. Yeah, but it it makes a lot more sense. I mean, than than I think people would perceive just because they don't they don't see that happen. Sure. Yeah, but you know, I don't want to take away anything away from Justin Fields. I agree with Evan that you can win with Justin Fields. Justin Fields was super, super, super dynamic and explosive last year, particularly with his legs, obviously. And honestly, it's hard to evaluate as a, as a thrower. I mean, his number one option in a lot of games was freaking Cole Komet. 
I mean, I know Darnell Mooney is fine, but man, it was, you know, tough. So, so yeah, we'll see what the Bears decide to do. All right. Appreciate you all being here. We're going to have a ton, ton, ton more podcasts throughout the offseason. Be sure you are subscribed. All these podcasts are free. If you're watching on YouTube, hit the subscribe button. If you are on iTunes or some other plat- podcast platform, hit the subscribe button so that you don't miss any episodes going forward. Also, NBA season, a couple months left. Be sure you, if you are interested in checking out DFS and props there. XFL season is in full swing and major season is coming in golf. All that details for all that available on the site under the subscribe tab. For Evan, for Bruce Luke, I'm Adam. Good luck, everybody. Mm-hmm.